Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I've got arms like legs and legs like people. And I am the Divine One. Welcome to episode 203, Fight the Power. Fight the Power. I know, I'm trying to think like... What Fight the Power, that beat. That's why I asked, like, what is the next line? I should know. I've seen him do the right thing enough times. Yeah. Probably watched it a few times. <laughs> yeah, I've probably seen it like six or seven times, and it's like, oh. It's one of those things they used to play, I feel like, on cable a lot. Like, it'd be like on HBO, and like, oh, all right. So, like, it's like, oh, if it's on, like, um, wherever it's at, I'm not going anywhere. I'll just pick it up from here. Absolutely. Every day. So, this would be the only Fight the Power produced by ECW. It would take place on June 1st, 1996, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,025 people. Right. That's a, a quarter of the audience that we had at In Your House. Hey, in well, Your House 2. Two. Two. Yeah. Beware of dog 2. Beware to dog. <laughs> yeah. But this is a show that was actually never released on tape or anything mm. so we actually had to go out there and it's not on the network at all we found a version of it basically they put most of the show actually on hardcore tv yeah i have it that it mo- it aired june 4th 11th and 18th they yeah. like split it up between those like days. i think there's like two maybe three matches from the entire card that didn't get aired on yeah. tv so technically, like, our main event wasn't the actual main event. There was a one of our wonderful tag team block and brawl yes, a, matches uh, as the main a, event. A, uh, a plunder job. I'm happy yeah. the uh, main event that we got is the main event that we got. I've had enough plunder. <laughs> but also, because it's not on the network, that also means that we get to enjoy everyone's real song this week. Yes, I was wondering about that. Because, yeah. I was hearing stuff I haven't heard either in a while or at all, so... It yeah. always feels good, because when you get to hear the real songs on ECW, it just feels like a treat. It's a Unfortunately, Sandman's match was one of the matches that did get cut, so um, we didn't that's... have to do with a seven-minute version of Inner Sandman. Hey, seven minutes of a Sandman entrance can only be made better with actual Inner Sandman instead of, like, the rip-off one. Yes. But I'm not really eager for, for uh, either no, at I this can... point. I'll just pull up that version on my phone if I want to. Exactly. But we are in Pennsylvania. We are. So I bet Shane brought us something delicious. I kind of did this time, actually. I'm, I'm... After the curse last week? Yes. Fuck you, yeah. South Carolina. I don't know what you did to my world, but you messed things up. Fucked up my South flow. Carolina. South Carolina, put your shirt back on? Yeah. <laughs> Is that that's Petey Pablo, right? I think so. Well, best chorus ever. So yeah, we're in Philly. <laughs> you know the song. I have to go on and raise up. Take your shirt off. Spin around your head like a helicopter. I yeah, I don't know Petey Pablo. 
I didn't know who Bone Thugs and Harmony was last week. <laughs> I think I'm gonna know who Petey Pablo is. That song was popular. South Carolina going and raise up. Take your shirt off. It requires me to listen to Pocus Radio. I mean, I don't know. I was in high school. When it came out. <laughs> I'll just say I was too old. It's dumb as hell, but uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I did what I do, and it has been the case with Philly for a while now. I'm out of ideas for Philadelphia, for Pennsylvania, so I'm taking things inspired by the show. Hey, you're a creative guy. I try to be, but sometimes my creativity gets swept up from under me like it did in uh, South Carolina. Hey, you tried. And other times you were it, failed. it flies you didn't me fail. away. You didn't Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we have here in front of us, well, a couple of us. Matt's already finished his because it was that good. I could use another one. <laughs> There's more out there. You just have to mix it up, cause yeah, <laughs> I'm lazy. Uh, I could be part of Bone Thugs and Harmony. I'm lazy bones. <laughs> lazy bones. Wow, would I be Gazy Bone then? <laughs> be whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I've only had one sip of this drink. Yeah, so we're in Philly. I did uh, a drink inspired by the show or somebody on the show. The last few Philly shows have been highlighted by some lovely pairing of Mr. J T. Smith. And one little Guido. JT has been kind of a, a guilty pleasure of mine since we started watching ECW because... Hey, all three of us have... We've definitely been really enjoying him. Since, yes. Since, uh, since little Guido I mean, came out. I mean, I don't think he's ever done anything that we've just been like, oh my god, JT Smith. Yeah. Like, I think he surprises us every time. Typically, yeah. he, he has surprised me. Going back to the scaffolding match that he had with old... Dark Patriot, I think it was. Yeah, it was still Eastern Championship, I believe, at that point. Yeah. They, I don't know if they had an eagle's nest or anything yet. They just, they had a scaffolding that was just there. But, to celebrate his newfound Italianness, His ascent into our hearts. Yes, his love for Frank Sinatra. We have the Fly Me to the Moon. So you gotta uh, say it, you gotta sing it. Fly Me to the Moon. Let me fly to your moon. There's my JT Smith impression. (laughs) Great job. Yeah. uh, There's several different varieties of this cocktail that I found in the Google world. Some are extra fancy. Some are in languages I didn't understand. Some have tequila. This one here is a shot of gin, a shot of peach schnapps, some lemonade, and then it called for blue food coloring, but we had no f- blue food coloring, but we did have blue curacao. So I just added a little dribble of blue curacao the to it. The worthy substitution for blue food coloring. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you got your gin, you got your peach, you got a little bit of orangey flavor in the blue curacao, and it, it comes together nicely. You it's, know what it tastes like? What does it taste like? It tastes kind of like a watered-down Baja Blast, which is a good thing. Is that... Sonic? Uh, it's like the it's like the Mountain Dew. Oh, that Baja Blast. Baja Blast. The one that they always try and give me. Yeah, it does look this color, actually, when they give it to me. Now that you say that, it, I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually I take a sip of it while I'm waiting for my food in the drive-thru, and then I hand it back to him because I say, you know, this, this isn't the Mountain Dew I asked for. <laughs> like, oh, you wanted the regular one. Like, yeah, that's why I said Mountain Dew, not Mountain Dew Baja Blast. I mean... But yeah. Gin, it's the only place you can get Baja Blast is Peach Taco schnapps, Blast. lemonade, a little blue curacao, you know, not to 
to, to steal the words directly from J.T. Smith, but, you know, it's, it's pretty spectacular, eh? <laughs> the, uh, I do not eat uh, Taco Bell, as I've gotten food poisoning there once, so it was ruined for me. But I do love, love a Baja Blast, and every, like, two years, they put it out, like, in the summer in, like, cans. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. that's, like, yeah, every two years, that's when I get my, my Baja Blast, and I buy one 12-pack, you know, <laughs> and then uh, dole them out through the summer. The hard Mountain Dews have a Baja Blast in them. That's true. I have tried those, yeah. They're very good. We have tried them. Have mm-hmm. you mixed your hard Mountain Dew with, like, whiskey or anything? Just to see if the Mountain Dew <laughs> just to get is still there? Just to get really ripped up? <laughs> I have not done that. <laughs> no, me neither. Save that for Mania. <laughs> well, something that would also happen right around the same time as Fight the Power, two actors' greatest films would be released the same weekend. In Nicolas Cage's The Rock and Billy Zane's in The Phantom. Never seen The Phantom. It's been a long time since I've seen The Phantom. Is The Phantom good? No. Okay. I was more making a joke with okay. that one. Okay, but The Rock is good. The Rock is tremendous. Yeah. Well, I was just curious if you like were making a joke about Billy and you were also making a joke about Cage. I mean, who doesn't love Billy Zane? But other than Titanic, does he have a good movie? What is it called? Dead Calm? No clue Him, what that is. Nicole Kidman. Literally the only other movie that I know that Billy Zane's in is The Phantom. Uh, he's in the first like five minutes of Poetic Justice. Another good movie. Okay. Fight the Power. I mean, it's uh, actually it's not a Spike Lee movie. John Singleton. Isn't it? John Singleton, yes. Yes, you've got uh, The Dead Calm from 1989 starring Nicole Kidman, Billy Zane, and Sam Neill. And he, Billy Zane, does what he typically does and plays a... A guy with a wig on? bad guy. <laughs> what other good movies has Billy Zane been in? I gotta look. I'm just always happy to see him. There's none. That's the problem. Uh, Billy Zane... That's what I'm talking about. He plays a small part in Twin Peaks, doesn't he? I think so, yes. Yes, he dates... He's in three episodes of The Boys. He dates uh, Audrey Hannon for a little bit, I believe. Let's go back. And he uh, hasn't done a whole lot since Titanic. I mean, his top four are Titanic, The Phantom, Dead Calm, and he actually plays one of the henchmen in Back to the Future. Ah. Back to the Future 2? No, just in the original. Okay. But when that's one of your top four things, that tells you a whole lot about... He's in Tombstone? Yes, he also plays one of the background bad guys. And in Critters? Uh Back to the Future was his first... Gig. He's in a movie called Silence of the Hams. Y'all ever heard of that one? Yes. Sure haven't heard of that one. Critters. He was in that. Okay. I forgot about Critters. Critters rules. Well, you know, Billy Zane, love to see you. Going over. When I see you. And I'll see you when I see you. Oh, he's in part one and part two of Back to the Future. Oh, okay. He plays Match. It might just be because there's a lot of shots from first Could one. Be. Could be he plays himself in Zoolander 2. Mm. <laughs> Uh, who saw Zoolander 2? Probably a stretch for him. I love Zoolander, and I've never even seen Zoolander 2. <laughs> yeah, that's like Anchorman 2. It's like, did anybody actually watch that? Yes, I did watch Anchorman 2. Okay. Ah, he was in Only You. Okay. I forgot about that one, too. And Nicolas Cage has been in 3,000 movies, and some of them are good. The Rock being the best. I love The Rock, but it's hard to choose. I am O. Yeah. I really love... Aren't you a big Raising Arizona guy? I like Raising Arizona, but I really love uh, Wild at Heart a lot as a David Lynch fan. 
and I like adaptation a lot. I don't like that movie. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> I believe that I believe that you, that wouldn't be one for you. I'm very um, curious to see his turn. Uh, Moonstruck. I liked him in Moonstruck. <laughs> yeah, but he's like kind of he's. It's not a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, but uh, he is a big part of it. Wow. So his top four are. Face off. No, I just saw. Leave in Las Vegas, The Rock, and Next. I don't know Next. I don't know. No clue on that, that one either. During the extreme dark days. We could legitimately spend the next two hours just talking about uh, Nicolas Cage movies. We Let's could, see. but we won't. We're not going to. I do like me some Raisin Arizona. Though I will say, one of his movies that came out in 2021, Pig. Loved Pig. You, I know you loved Pig. I watched it finally and enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it was fun. I, um, it wasn't and, what I expected in a good way. Unfortunately, the trailer for Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is really good. And the movie, unfortunately, shows all those good parts. I was, yeah. I, I was interested in that movie, and then it sounded like when it came out, people were like, yeah... Nah, so I just kind of skipped. I mean, it. it wasn't. It was not a bad. No, it wasn't movie. a bad movie. It wasn't a bad movie, but unfortunately, the me, trailer showed you a worse movie. I mean, yeah. the trailer showed you all of the good parts. I know and... a lot of people were. There was a lot of people that loved Mandy, and a lot of people that did not like Mandy. I liked Mandy. I did not like Mandy. Yeah. I have not watched Mandy. You do not want to watch Mandy. <laughs> yeah. I like Mandy. Um... You would like Mandy. Shane would not like Mandy. Yeah, just just like uh, I would like adaptation and Matt wouldn't like adaptation. Probably wouldn't like Wild at Heart very much either. Let's see. Yeah, because once the 2000s hit, then it's just like... You know what I watched recently? Uh, both Boy. National Treasure movies. They are fun. I don't know that those that's the word I would use for them, but they are watchable. They are movies. They're definitely movies. Um, They're more watchable than... <laughs> Some other things that Nicolas Cage is Oh, did. yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like, they're fine family movies. Actually, another one of Nicolas Cage's favorite films for him is It Could Happen to You. Mm, I yeah. Know. I really like that one. I want to say we've discussed that movie on I think before. we probably have. It's but... It's him and uh, Bridget Fonda and Rosie Perez. Again. Oh, that's a fun cast. Raised in Arizona, probably my favorite of his... Peggy Sue, I don't know. The 80s Nicolas Cage, I liked. Valley Girl. Yeah. Valley Girl's good. It's like, what if Romeo and Juliet in a mall? Trapped in Paradise is one of those holiday guilty pleasures. Him and Dana Carvey and John Levitz. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, be- I believe you. That's just like, those are three names. Scott Scallions. You'd have to watch Scott the movie to know what I'm talking Scallions. about. Scott Scallions. The King of the Green Onion. That's Dana Carvey. Nicolas Cage just plays Nicolas Cage in every Nicolas Cage movie. It depends. He just either is more unhinged or less unhinged. I still don't think he deserved the Oscar, though, for Leaving Las Vegas. Oh. I never saw Leaving Las Vegas. I mean, the the movie itself was good, but... I think it was a Coppola conspiracy? It was a... Richard Dreyfuss should have won. For what? Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, okay. I saw the movie with my grandma. I don't remember anything about it, except for that the kid was deaf. Spoiler alert. I don't know if the movie was good or not. I just know that I saw it as a kid with my grandma. It's a good movie. I think I think The Rock was the first time that I like fell in love with Ed Harris. Oh, Ed Harris rules. 
love Ed Harris. Yes. The Rock was the first Sean Connery movie I could sit through and watch from start to finish. Because <laughs> I couldn't do James Bond back in, in the day. No I'm Highlander? Sorry. What about Highlander? I mean, I guess... I had not... an issue with... I mean, Highlander wasn't necessarily an old movie, but it just wasn't my style of movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the song rules. It could only be one. <laughs> yeah. Highlander 2, first 20 minutes, incredible. What about really... Highlander 4? Tell about Highlander 4. I'm going to... I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, enough about Nicolas Cage. I never and... tried to get us out early. <laughs> and Billy Zink's greatest movie, The Phantom. Let's talk Fight the Power. Joey Styles is in the ring welcoming us to the show. And he brings out Raven and Stevie Richards. And Stevie has asked for this interview because a few weeks ago, Raven had sent him to find the dirtiest skank he could find. And Richards introduces Divine Brown. What an unfortunate name. Yep. <laughs> Dirty skank. Michael, did you know who Divine Brown was? I don't know who Divine Brown is. I did. Is it... Oh, what's her damn name? Just go to the WWF and take nope. the top no. one. No. Who is Divine Brown? <laughs> Divine Brown is famous for being caught with Hugh Grant. Oh, she's a hooker. Oh yeah, because yeah, that's when he was married to Elizabeth Hurley, but still having sex with hookers. And Elizabeth Hurley like sixty and still looks incredible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she, of course, has some issues walking in her heels while in the ring. So I thought she was a prostitute. <sighs> she's always got problems walking. <laughs> <laughs> So Stevie, good so Stevie like picks her up and he's just like holding her the entire time he's giving this interview. And Divine says she will do anything to Raven. Raven comments that she hasn't been with enough guys yet and he doesn't want her. Weird. Before leaving to the back. Yeah. Let Tommy have her first, then then Raven will want her. <laughs> Raven's a real freak. I think the best part of this segment was Stevie Richards' Boys to Men t shirt. <laughs> I mean, he is a man now. But we then go to our first match. Mikey Whipwreck versus Rob Van Dam. Alrighty. And RVD forces Mikey to the corner to hit some forearms when Brian Pillman would roll out on a wheelchair, demanding that the match be stopped and for the fans to get on their knees and bow down to him. Now, we haven't seen the loose cannon since Big Ass Extreme Bash, episode 193 as he had been badly injured in a car accident. Yeah. And Whipwreck looks on in anger, with the loose cannon telling him to come and express his anger to his face. So Mikey drops to the floor and slaps Pillman. But the loose cannon retaliates with his crutch, allowing Van Dam to join in the fun with chair shots. RVD then places Whipwreck with his head hanging over the apron, Puts a chair on it, then leaps over the ropes with a slingshot leg drop. Back in the ring, Van Dam throws the chair at Mikey, followed by nailing a spinning wheel kick, which we'll come to know as the Van Daminator, <laughs> followed by a moonsault press for the pin and, and the win. A mix of booze and cheers. People are excited about this Rob Van Dam, but who doesn't love Mikey Whipwreck at this point? We all... Love Mikey Whipwreck. We then get an extreme replay as Joey heads to the ring, which is literally a sped up version of the entire match. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, this is a huge replay. I was like, oh, well, this must be 
Like when they played on hardcore TV, this must have been what they played like after the commercial break. Or in case you missed it. And once Styles is at ringside, he interviews Pillman, who trash talks the fans in WCW. He's here to celebrate what RVD did to Sabu and makes fun of Missy Hyatt's managerial skills. Van Dam then rolls the loose cannon to the back. And a couple of notes here. Uh, there was a line cut out of his interview because of obvious reasons, once I tell you who he made fun of, calling the gangsters the NWA. Mmm. He and didn't, he didn't he, actually say it, did he? He did. Okay. So you can say NWA. Why the line's cut? As I say, you can say NWA even though you, like, shouldn't, but you can't say the, the um, you can't words. say, you can't say all three words. Later on in the show, which isn't shown on this, for obvious reasons as well, because there would be no context. But the gangsters actually came out and did an interview and basically trash talk Pillman as well. Mm. Shoots, it was like some shoot stuff. Uh, definitely was some shoot stuff. They had legit heat in the back. I mean, I would imagine so, unless uh, New Jack was like, "Say it and uh, for fun." But even if he did, I'd be like, "New Jack, I'm not doing that." Nope, because you're New Jack. Even if you told me to say it, I wouldn't trust that you were okay with it because you're an insane man. But he really probably never had to deal with New Jack ever again as Pillman would sign a contract up north in the next week. So this is the last time we will see him in ECW. See you soon, Pilly. Yep. Also, shame. Shame on you. <laughs> we never got an extreme Pillman match, did we? Oh, we got an extreme uh, Pillman promo that we did not see. <laughs> so we go to our second match. The FBI of the Italian Stallion J.T. Smith and Little Guido versus the Dudley Boys of Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley with Chubby, Dances With, and Sign Guy Dudley. And J.T. is loving hearing him some Frank Sinatra. I'm loving hearing it. And they keep turning it off. So he takes the mic and sings it himself. Badly. But he does sing it. And the Dudleys hit the ring where Sign Guy has a Dudleys with Attitude sign. See, I remember seeing the Doobie Doobie Dudley or something like that, but I don't remember seeing the Dudleys with Attitude sign. I just noticed it because... Yeah. Because I, obviously I because of the yeah. previous segment. Because that was almost my name was Doobie Dudley. Doobie, Doobie Dudley? <laughs> nice to hear Highway to, the, Highway to Hell. Good song for the Dudleys. Bubba grabs the mic to sing Fly Me to the Moo, 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 with Smith taking offense. But <laughs> Devon takes the mic and gives the commandments. As the FBI stares down Devon, Bubba attacks from behind with a double clothesline and starts beating down the FBI, tossing JT to the floor. Bubba Ray with a slingshot gourd buster to little Guido, followed by a leg drop from Devon, while Dances With gets some shots in on the Italian Stallion. Bubba delivers a press slam of Guido out onto Smith, followed by Bubba Ray looking like he was going to leap off the top turnbuckle, but he changes his mind. I mean, he's, he gets trimmer as time goes on, but... Big old boy. Big old boy. The Dudleys then roll out to the floor and surround the FBI, only for them to roll back into the ring. And the match finally gets an official start, with Devon hitting a shoulder block to little Guido, and he tags in Bubba. So Guido hightails it to the corner, tagging JT. 
where the Italian stallion would hit a drop kick to the knee of Bubba Ray before locking on a single leg crab as we head to commercial. That was a pretty sick drop kick to the knee too, by the way. We come back to Devon slamming Smith, climbs to the second rope, but he slips off as he tries for a headbutt. Falling down to the mat with the crowd letting him know. Guido takes advantage with a back elbow and a body slam, but Bubba comes in with a chair shot in the back to slow the momentum. Devon hits a low blow to Smith's kielbasa before, Bill, before Bubba Ray hits him with a chair as well. Devon keeps up the attack with a body slam and grabs the chair, goes to nail the Italian stallion, but JT hides behind the ref. Devon then smashes the ref with a chair shot, causing a disqualification, making the FBI our winners. Post-match, little Guido with a body slam of Devon, while JT heads up top, only for Bubba to hit him with a sign to knock him down. Devon's back to his feet with chair in hand, and he uses it on Smith to knock him loopy, sending the FBI retreating to the back. Now Bubba Ray's trying to calm Devon to no avail, as he starts wailing on all of his brothers <laughs> before leaving to the back. I love it when he just beats up the other Dudleys. And all of a sudden, Big Dick Dudley enters through the front door of the arena, helping everybody up to their feet. And that's where Joey says maybe my favorite line in all of wrestling history. He's got arms like legs and legs like people. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it just kills me. So, do we ever see Big Dick Dudley wrestle? I think so. Okay. I know he sticks around for a few more years. I think this is the beginning of the Dudley Civil War-ish type thing. Okay. Before they all come back together and go on a tear. Cool. Before they rip even more tables in half. Yeah. Because my first thought was, wow, this is the first time I think I've seen him walk without a crutch. Yeah. But Bubba had his crutch. I guess. And what were, yeah, I guess they had said something at, about, at the start about somebody forgetting to call him or not calling him or something like yeah. that. So we go to our third match. Jason Helton versus Taz with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz and the in a shoot fight. Knockout or submission only. Fucking whistle. So Helton is a Muay Thai fighter, mm-hmm. kind of. He actually had done some jobber stuff with WWF, hmm. but never really anything significant. And the human suplex machine charges to begin, only for Helton to grab him in a Muay Thai clinch and hit some knees, before nailing a running forearm to the back of the neck to knock Taz down. Helton continues with more strikes until the human suplex machine judo throws and locks on an armbar, only for Jason to make it to the ropes. Taz grabs a leg and locks him up again until Helton makes the ropes once more to save himself. Back to his feet, Jason tries a roundhouse kick that the human suplex machine ducks and nails a German suplex that gets a seven count. Taz then finishes off Helton with a T-bone Tazplex and a Taz mission for the submission and the win. As Bill blows that damn whistle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was sitting there watching this match. Entire time, thinking to myself, I hate that whistle. I hate that whistle. I hate that whistle. It's such a good. It's such a good gimmick because it works. It's forced to work. Dumb. You can't even truthfully like it. I like ironically. It's 
like no even if you think it's a good idea it still makes you want to fucking just kick it down his throat mm-hmm Post-match, the human suplex machine takes the mic, saying he can't find one man tough enough to face him. And Joey makes it to the ring to tell Taz that his challenge has been accepted. The human suplex machine wants to know where Sabu is. The style says, that's not who I'm talking about. And all of a sudden we see Lance Wright, who I guess is another guy that works for ECW. He, he did some uh, merchandise selling. We could, I didn't know who he was. On one show a few months ago, he's standing next to a giant of a man at ringside. Paul Varlins, who had actually worked several UFC fights, including losing to Tank Abbott and Dan Severn in his time. And Paul says that he f- could find some time to rock and roll with Taz before jumping the rip, but he's held back by cops and a bunch of wrestlers. The human suplex machine continues to taunt him, saying he will choke him out as Varlene's gets dragged to the back. Let him go. Let him go. Not happening on this show. No, absolutely not. Why would it? You know, it's the, you know, you got to build. Come on, guys. You go to this show every week, all 1,000 of you. You know how this works. But thanks for being good, good fans, good sports. So we go to our fourth match. Prime time, Brian Lee and the Bruise Brothers of Don and Ron Bruise versus Tommy Dreamer and the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Beulah, Kimono Wanalea, and Francine in a Falls Count Anywhere six-man elimination tag match with the winner receiving an ECW World Heavyweight Championship title (laughs) shot. That's a whole lot in there. That is a whole lot. <laughs> so the brawl is on as we join the match. As you see, Primetime smack Tommy with a chair out on the floor before tossing him into the crowd. Inside the ring, number two is trying to fend off the Bruce Brothers to no avail. But he's then triple teamed with a press slam over the ropes through a table Ugh. at ringside. It's the fucking gnarly. The Bruce Brothers then crotch number one on a ring post multiple times. Posted. While Lee uses more chairs on Dreamer. Primetime then rolls into the ring to pin number one to eliminate him from the match. Before dragging Tommy into the ring. While number two brawls with the Bruise Brothers on the floor. Dreamer is tossed around the ring before being thrown to the floor. So all five competitors are just brawling around ringside. And into the crowd using chairs, vending machines, and fists. And the ladies look on with concern as the gentlemen make their way to the eagle's nest, where Tommy hits Lee with a chair to knock him onto a table, before he heads up to the balcony to leap off with a splash onto primetime, sending them through the table. Dreamer heads back up to the balcony, where he grabs two girls that are just standing there, just by the hair, and forces them to make out to the crowd's delight. Yeah, Joey says that they're fans. Yeah. He didn't have to force them too hard. Just like here. I mean, yeah, they worked out. Just play nice. Only for Raven to show up and DDT Tommy. And the Bruise Brothers then set up a few tables on the platform, followed by Lee choke slamming Tommy off the balcony Oof. through the tables as we go to commercial. And we come back to an extreme replay of that choke slam. It's extreme. 
followed by seeing Raven posing above Dreamer. Now in the ring, number two is fending off all three of his opponents, knocking prime time onto a table, while fans are helping Tommy get back to ringside. And once Dreamer makes it there, he delivers a DDT to one of the brothers on the concrete, and he makes a pin to eliminate him. One bruise, which bruised brother was it? They never knew. One of them. Which, I don't way, know. which way did he go? Lee has been driven through the table inside the ring somehow as it happened while the pin was taking place. But number two continues the attack with turnbuckle smashes and using a plunger to the face. But he turns away, allowing himself to be hit from behind. I hope it was a new plunger. Knowing these fans. Probably not. <laughs> Tommy comes in the ring and nails a DDT on Lee. Helps number two set up a table before placing primetime on it. Dreamer and number two then climb up to the top turnbuckle, where the pit bull super bombs Tommy onto Lee. But the remaining Bruise Brother pulls primetime out of the way in time, sending Dreamer crashing through the table. And Lee makes the cover for the pin, and Tommy is eliminated. Oh my god. The two men then work over number two, when Primetime holds up a chair to the back of Pitbull's head for a bruised brother big boot. But number two ducks, causing Lee to take the blow, followed by the Pitbull making the cover for the pin. And Dreamer hasn't left the ring yet, and makes sure to DDT the bruised brother onto a chair allowing number two to small package him up for the pin and the win. So Pitbull number two will get a world title match down the line. I love that people have been getting behind Pitbull two, and then they actually did something with it. They let him win this elimination thing. Do I think that he'll actually win the belt? I don't think so, but that would be nice. But at least they recognize and did something with the fact that, yeah, he might be Pitbull number two, but he's Pitbull number one in my heart. Exactly. Post-match, the Bruise Brothers and Prime Time go after the Pitbull as Raven enters the ring and takes the mic, saying, down the line is right now. So we got our fifth match, Pitbull number two with Francine. Versus Raven for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And Raven hits a pile driver onto a table for the pin. And <laughs> no, number two kicks out. Raven then places a piece of the table on the ropes before throwing the pit bull through it for a two count. And Raven continues to beat number two down in the corner. Only for the pit bull to fire up with right hands and a spin kick into a corner. Kick his ass, pit bull, kick his ass. Number two grabs a chair and heads up top, leaping off with it. Only for Raven to drop kick the chair into the pit bull's face. Raven follows up with a DDT onto the steel and nails his magical boot shot to the head for making the cover for the pin and the win. But hey, he left Raven with a little bit of blood on his face. So, yeah. So, another one of those. This was not shown on the, on the show that All we right. got. It was a spicy show. But during the intermission, as they went to intermission after this match, Paul Heyman actually came out and would tell the crowd that the remaining 90 minutes of the show was crazy. 
and he guaranteed they would get their money's worth or Divine Brown would give them all a blowjob in the parking lot. Jesus Christ. That is like, oh. She's she's readying herself for Raven. <laughs> and Bill not yet. What is the point of that? Just Paul Heyman? No clue. Trying to pop the crowd? Pretty much. As if they needed it. They just like threw everybody through a table. Like they're... There's already been a hooker in the building to start the show. Yeah. Enough people are probably popped. Half the crowd is probably prostitutes. So Shane Douglas then makes his way out to the ring, dragging the TV title on the ground. Don't you love to see it? And Joey says the franchise was supposed to face two cold Scorpio, but he's in the hospital with a 106 degree fever. He actually had a staph infection. Ew. And Shane takes the mic and says Scorpio took the low road and went to the doctor. So Douglas decides to call out someone who's a very worthy opponent. So we get our sixth match of the franchise, Shane Douglas versus El Puerto Ricoño. He's never won a match. <laughs> for the ECW World Television Championship. The champion came out first. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> Can't even get through it. Can't say it yeah, Ricanio. Hmm. So the bell rings and the franchise sucker punches Ricanio before hitting a twisting vertical suplex and a belly to belly suplex for the pin and, and the win. win. Post match, Shane grabs the mic, throwing the belt down, saying he doesn't want it. When we cut to our seventh match. The franchise Shane Douglas versus Don E. Allen for the ECW World Television Championship. The champion's still in the ring, guys. I know. I get it. Champion. Foreshadowing. Douglas belly-to-belly suplexes (laughs) Don E. for the pin and and the win. And still. Post-match, he pushes the belt away again. And we cut to our eighth match. The franchise Shane Douglas versus Dangerous Devin Storm Shadow. for the <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. For the ECW World Television Championship. Shadow forwarding. The franchise kicks Devin between the lightning and thunder, delivers a belly to belly suplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post match, Shane kicks the belt out of the ref's hands. As the previous three men are all laid out in the corner. And Shane Douglas wants some more, and I think that this is pretty fun. Begging for someone to just give him a workout. So we get our ninth match. The franchise. Shane Douglas versus Mikey Whipwreck. And Whipwreck's limping to the ring. For the ECW World Television Championship. Foreshadowing, etc., etc. We clip forward to the franchise ducking a clothesline and clipping Mikey's knee to take control of the match. Shane then applies the Texas Cloverleaf for the submission and And the the win. win. But Shane Douglas keeps that hold on. Post-match, he does keep the hold on. When we skip ahead to see Supernova, Bubba Ray Dudley, and Pitbull 2 helping the defeated guys to the back. And the franchise has the mic and asks, Are you a Pitbull? Are you a... Pussy. That's what he said. Okay. Try to take this piece of shit belt off of me. Francine tries to get number two to go to the back. 
when Shane starts talking about how it is in the locker room. Missy fucks half the dressing room. Beulah and Kimona being carpet munchers. <laughs> even brings up Divine Brown being there. But worst of all is that Francine is the ugliest bitch of them all. <laughs> and she jumps in the ring to slap Douglas hard. Yes, she does. So the franchise just flings her across the ring with a devastating belly-to-belly suplex. It still looks so brutal. Yep. Number two then jumps in the ring, only to be smacked in the face with the TV title. But that gives us our tenth match. The franchise, Shane Douglas, versus Pitbull number two with Francine for the ECW World Television Championship. Foreshadowing? <laughs> for the, like, fifth time? Yeah, something like that. The bell rings and the Pitbull gets right back to his feet, sending Shane on the run. But he's caught and press slammed down to the mat for a two count. Number two then hits a power slam for a near fall before going for another press slam, but Douglas counters into a head scissors. We cut forward to the franchise being hung on the guardrail with the Pitbull leaping off the apron, only for Shane to move, causing number two to crotch himself Damn. on the steel. We cut ahead again to Douglas locking on the cloverleaf, only for the Pitbull to escape. And the franchise then attempts a super belly-to-belly, but number two fights back before delivering a super bomb for the pin and, and the win. win. And new! I mean, come on, guys. Aren't you excited? Pitbull. I'm so excited. Post-match, Pitbull's holding up the belt while Shane reaches out for it as we fade to black. You know, he didn't want the belt at all. He didn't. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, he's a full of shit heel, guys. And don't you just love that uh, Pitbull 2 walked away with a belt and that Shane Douglas was like, yeah, sure. Give this thing to, to Pitbull. He's over. Shane Douglas will be fine. He's the heel. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Fight the Power? I mean, fun show. It's quick. It's only an hour. And Pitbull gets plenty of cheers and uh, his just desserts. Hell yeah. Yeah, this one is way more than I was expecting it to be. With it being an hour show, a lot more happened on it than I thought was possible to fit in an hour show. I mean, yeah, we got ten matches. Yeah, like yeah the gimmick, eight the, the Shane like Douglas that. gimmick is such a nice little fucking way to end it. It's just it's so nice. Yeah. I'm so glad that this was the way that it ended and not with a plunder match. Yes, that's that's another plus right there, is it didn't end in some tag team match that I forgot the next week. It ended on an angle and a new champion. What a breath of fresh air. And, you know, they evened things out a little bit since yeah. Pitbull had been in a match already. Mm-hmm. And he still beat Shane, Shane wrestled Russell. for about a, a minute and a half between those first four matches. Belly, to, <laughs> belly, belly plexes will take it out of him. He was winded. So you can tell all the footage is from the television show as it comes at you with a frantic pace and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. See, I was noticing that too. I meant to bring that up, that the camera work seemed different and it felt like they had either clicked in something that they hadn't done before or were paying attention to other people. It's the editing of it. They they need to edit all their shows like that. Because like you said, I was on the edge of my seat like, well... 
and seeing things differently. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, all the times where you're just like, ugh, on a ECW show, they cut all that out and got straight to it. So there, like I said earlier, there are a couple matches left off the actual show, and as we've said, it's probably a good thing, as the main event was the Eliminators defeating the Gangsters in for for the tag team belts in a fun little walk and brawl plunder match. Fun, that's the key word. But there was the Gangsters in Paradise, which is the old Samoan SWAT team, oh. aka Head Shrinkers. Okay. Would debut to now feud with the gangsters. So we have the gangsters of the gangsters in paradise feuding with each other. But silly tag team name, but you know. During teams. that match, even the fans weren't happy as they started chanting for their blowjobs. Yeah. Damn. So they weren't happy very, to the head drinkers. I'm very thankful that we did not have to watch that match. Yeah. So their name was Gangsters in Paradise. Yes. And we're talking Fatu and Samu, or is this? It wasn't Fatu. The Barbarian. No, it jacket. was Samu and Big Maddie Smalls. Okay. You got me. So they went for their own Biggie Smalls, huh? Big Maddie. It was their cousin Matt Annoy. So there's yeah. a reason that they were like, "Ugh, Fatu's not even here." Yeah. Gangsters in Paradise. I know you. How it's... you? Should have called him the Shrinky Dinks. I can't call him the Five Five Yes. <laughs> Thankful we didn't have to watch that. Yeah, we got an hour. It was in and out, and uh, legitimately, like, yeah. pretty exciting. Had we had to watch, yeah, had we had to watch that match, that would have. Really when I saw that Shane Douglas had all those like squash matches, I was like, I don't know how this is gonna play. It but was it, beautiful. it was great. I had no idea. So like when it started happening, I was just like. Hell yeah. I was so down. And it didn't waste any time. It was just... Yeah. The yeah. editing, like we said. Bang, bang, bang. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. Smart. So what are some of the best moments of this show? I mean, we love... I mean, I love my, my pit bull too. And it was so nice to see him get... He's been getting the love... And then he got the love, lost to Raven, and then beat Shane Douglas. It was kind of the Pitbull 2 show, almost. Kind of. And that's what the last ECW show was. Too. Yeah. I mean, granted, he was the first one to get pinned in that match, but it still elevated him Yeah. to the fact that he has a championship match on the next, well, two championship matches. Yeah, and the thing is, like, if he came out and Shane Douglas pinned him, then it would have been over for Pitbull 2. Yes. Like, no one would have taken him seriously. And... To be honest, it's gonna sound this is gonna sound weird, but Tommy Dreamer being pinned is one of the best moments because going into that six band eliminate, like I had I had actually forgotten about Pitbull two being in the world title match at the last show when I started yeah. watching this. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, Well, the only guy that could win is the Tommy. only guy that's gonna win is Tommy because he's the he's the biggest name. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets eliminated, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I was just like, that's awesome that they think so highly of Pitbull number two that like yeah. they could still, they could do that. Like I said, I just completely forgot. Mm-hmm. And it felt good. So it was, yeah, it's like, that's what you want. You want to be like, oh, damn, I'm wrong. Just because he's number two doesn't mean he's number two. 
The slap from Francine to Shane. Loved it. Uh, Taking that belly to Like, that is the most wicked belly to belly that I think Shane... Because she's, like, five pounds soaking wet. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, just, like, tall and thin. She's not, like, even short and thin. She's, like... So just, like, looks like uh, he took a... Like, the skeleton from a... um, from like an '80s high school drama, like comedy, and just like suplexed it. It's just like, yeah, it just looks. A little ragdoll. Yeah, yeah, it just looks like legitimate, yeah, legitimate ragdoll because it's. Oh, what was the other one? Oh, Shane and his constantly smacking and kicking the belt out of the ref's hand. Drag, I mean, yeah, dragging the title yeah. belt to the ground and then and at the end out. reaching out. Put it down. It's just such a good character arc, all oh. within like <laughs> ten minutes of each other. It was yeah. like, yeah. This is the, like, I think ECW should be more bite-sized. And mm-hmm. this is just, like, everything you want all in one place. The only thing that was really missing was, like, you know, one of our banging-ass junior matches or whatever. I, but, like, that doesn't work in an hour-long show. I've bitched about it in the past, but I'm putting it as my best moment. We had no gangsters. No plunder. No eliminators. No bullshit. Yeah. It was yeah the two the two walk and brawl matches because the same it was a Sandman Stevie Richards match was the other match was one of the other matches yeah. that got there's cut. always like you said there's always a singles walk and brawl and a tag team walk and brawl sometimes there's two tag team walk and brawls none of that on here great the only like the closest thing to that was the six the six man, man match and it was, it was fun a, and it was fun it's because state. it was an elimination match and yeah. then it was even more fun because Pitbull two won. Yes. So it wasn't even like... Uh, I mean, taking that choke slam off the balcony through tables. Like, it was just gross. Yeah. The Pitbull taking that bump through the table at the beginning of the match was a gnarly one, too. Yeah. It was a good show. I like the show. How about most disappointing? I'll give you one, just because it's not one you guys are going to know. I wish there would have been another 10 minutes on this show, just to show the full Shane Douglas Pitbull match. Oh, yeah. Because it was a... I want to say I, I saw that it was a 14-minute match. Oh, wow. You can do a lot more than that. That would have been nice to see the whole thing. Yeah. To see Pitbull, you know, kind think, of struggle think, and pull out the win. Yeah. To basically give him a little bit more of his, you know, flowers for having a good match after having already dealt with everything else yeah. on the show. And taking a nut shot yeah. from Shane Douglas in that match. Yeah. Coming back from it. Yeah. And it, was not even, it wasn't even like a, you know, nut shot to the... Like legs pulled to the post, it was like on top of the steel he rail. Jumped on top yeah, of it. It was gross. So like literally, unless he caught himself and like to make it just look like he landed there. It's like not much you can do. Hillman and NWA is disappointing just because yeah. that should, <laughs> yeah. should never ever be said. <laughs> nope. You know, well, they rightfully uh, cut it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Jason Helton. Yeah. J- I mean, I Jason, know, Helton, Jason Helton with the guy just, at the end. He's just a Jason Helton's just a guy that they threw in there to make it look like a shoot fight. We're getting uh, Taz over slowly, yeah. They're, they're just keeping Taz away from Sabu as much as possible and throwing him in there with people like real fighters. I wish I knew who Paul Varlines was, just so I could have understood. Could have cared a little bit more. Yeah, I bet a lot of the people that were watching it didn't know. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. I mean, he he literally, I think, had been on the previous UFC, making it to the finals or semifinals. And so, so he, UFC was 
boring as fuck back then. Oh, yeah. It's also UFC in, like, 1996. Yeah, horrible. But there were people that still loved it, so... I, I tried to figure out why they loved it. I watched it one time, and Ken Shamrock laid on top of some dude, did not move, and then just, like, every 45 seconds would throw a, a punch to yeah. the, the rib cage. And, like, this sucks. Yeah, it's definitely different. Now there's nothing now ultimate was in... fighting about this. Well, they were actually fighting, I guess. I, they probably, no. man, I don't he know. was just laying on top of him. Yeah, that was it. That's wrestling, I guess. I don't know. We're here for the predetermined. That's right. Predetermined stuff. That's what I'm a little more interested in. How about best performer of the night? You're giving it to Pitbull, too. Come on. Yep. I mean, I mean Shane, Shane, Shane is fun, but he's had his moments. Pitbull, that... too, did it through the whole show. I mean, Shane's entire character arc with I mean, the belt is Shane, pretty spot on. I mean, he's probably the best guy in the whole, in the whole fucking company, just in general. It's like, yeah. he's got it all. Uh, unfortunately, it did not work elsewhere, because I believe that he's worth more money than uh, he's getting. But, mm-hmm. you know, Shane will get it plenty of times. I'll give it to Pitbull this time. Yep. How about most surprising... Pitbull getting two singles title matches in one show. Yep. It was a bruise. I mean, I think everything on the show to me was kind of a surprise because I just like was not, I didn't know what to expect when I saw that it was an hour long. Yeah. And then just with the, you know, the editing and the frantic pace of it all, just like this was as un ECW. As, <laughs> as it can be, I guess. Yeah, like it was, but it doesn't. It, yeah, it's we don't watch a whole lot of hardcore TVs, and this was just uh, you know that edit really can change your feeling, change the whole feeling of the show, yep. like the emotional roller coaster of the Pitbull. We keep saying Pitbull, but he won, he lost, he won a belt. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's just like oh my gosh, like. Yeah, all in one evening. That Divine Brown can't walk in high heels. Even though <laughs> she's a streetwalker who wears high heels, typically, I'm thinking, probably. Maybe she's a f- normally wears flats. Maybe she is under the influence. Probably go with that last one there. Heard. Maybe she's getting dirty backstage beforehand. I hope she's all right wherever she is. <laughs> Her and Missy, the walk at riot, probably had him a contest. <laughs> um, yeah, they weren't staying quiet. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. So this week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? So five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. So the name is Dennis Knight. Oh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but... I got nothing. Dennis Knight. Yeah, I can't guess it up off the off the top of my head anyways. I'm not doing it either. We'll buzz in. Multiple choice. Buzz in with your answer. Your options are Bunkhouse Buck, King Kong Bundy, Tex Salinger, Typhoon. Damn it. Could be any of these motherfuckers. Bunkhouse Buck. Tech Salinger, Typhoon, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. I'm just going to buzz in and I'll go with Bunkhouse Buck. 
That is incorrect. All right, Shane, you got. Uh, I whittled it down for you. Well, my initial thought was Tafoon. When well, no, when I first pictured him, I or when you said the name Midian came to my head, and then uh-huh. you said Tex Lazinger, so I'm going with Tex. That is correct. Uh, That's why I didn't want to guess right off the bat, and like I can't remember what the hell his name was in WCW. I just can remember Midian or. Phineas, I guess that's who he is now, or currently yeah. as we're watching. As we're watching, yeah. Next week, best of the Super Juniors. Three. I put my fingers up like you could hear them. <laughs> Tap it. So music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. Bye-bye. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. As both the opening and closing song. Because it was the song that Pitbull number two uses. Oh, is it really? Yes, it okay. is. Pretty funny. That like, it's like, oh, this is how the show opens. And it's well, like, the the pay per views don't really have music. music. No, it's just it's just uh, I just uh, what use it as the ECW white noise. Well, no, that's like uh, the well, it's definitely <laughs> white noise. But uh, what's that old? Pa- it's like just PowerPoints. Yes, it's yeah. like PowerPoint ninety four or ninety five or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many PowerPoints are, but yeah. I mean, I thought about using the subbed, uh, the, the network version of the uh, Pitbull song, but I was just like, no. We got to play the real song. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Come on. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns. What did you think of the show? Recipes? Food ideas, drink ideas. Where are we going? We're going to Japan next. Are you? Send me some Japan ideas. We haven't been there in a while. Osaka, to be specific. Ooh, Osaka to me. Yeah. Hit us up. Slide in them DMs. Tweet us. Something. If you want to do any of those things, you can find us on email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. And don't forget to, Matt. Talk to you next week. Oh, I was gonna. I was hoping you were gonna sing "Fly Me to the Moon." Oh, <laughs> what? where are we go? Fly me to the moon. I know. I didn't have the confidence to do it. <laughs> to stay. Yeah, we'll just go with you know. Doing my JT Smith impression. Yeah, yeah. we'll say five five. Yeah, later and stuff. It's all about snap, snap, and shake your head and mumble. <laughs> <laughs>